Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. You know, the fall will be here before you know it, and the temperatures will start to drop and get a little bit cooler. So swing on by Leon Tailoring to get you something warm that will not burn a hole in your pocket. Maybe it's a nice little bit of a heavier jacket, or maybe a heavier blouse or skirt, or no matter what it is, maybe a nice sweater. No matter what it is, you can get it at Leon Tailoring. You can get it ready-made or custom-made or tailor-made. Just go on in, tell them Abdul sent you, and they'll take care of you, and they'll be happy to do it as well. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Well, with the election just a couple days away and some change, we'll continue our conversation with politicals from across the state of Indiana. Joining us in studio is our good friend Evan McMahon, the chairman of the Libertarian Party of Indiana. Evan, my friend, how's it going? It's going pretty good. A little, little busy right now. Oh, really? Is there something going on? Uh, just a little thing. <laughs> a little thing called an election. Yeah. Uh, so a uh, few days out. Uh, what are you guys seeing? What are you feeling? What do you think your chances are? I think it's going pretty well. I, I know that we're definitely going to make some history. We're going to break some records both here in Indiana and nationally for third parties. Um, you know, the last time a third party uh, in Indiana got over 10 percent in a secretary of state race and, and was eligible for a primary was actually in 1910. So it's been a minute. So I think we're due. <laughs> uh, what's 120 years between friends? Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about uh, sort of libertarians statewide. Uh, what do you guys hear when you go door to door? What are, what are, what are people saying to your candidates? You know, it, it's mostly... You know, when you're looking at the the federal candidate, James Siniak running for U.S. Senate, he's he's getting a lot of people who are saying, you know, I've been a lifelong Republican, but I just can't support our current senator because he's part of the inflationary problem. He voted for gun control and, you know, they he was flip floppy on vet care. And so they're 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 ready to uh, look look for a different option. And I, I think it stems back to when Rainwater ran in 2020 as our gubernatorial candidate. A lot of diehard Republicans for the first time were able to, you know, consider voting for something different than the straight ticket vote. And that's carried over into this election cycle more than I think Republicans realized it was going to. We also have quite a few Democrats who look at uh, McDermott, uh, the, the mayor of Hammond, and, and kind of the situation that's been going on up there and saying they really just don't want that either. So it's it's going pretty well. You know, uh, Jeff uh, Moore, our, our candidate for secretary of state, he's still out at, uh, today going to events, uh, meeting with people at fall festivals and, and things like that. And he's he's getting the same response. You know, people are ready for a change. What do you think your chance? Because uh, the way this works, we'll, we'll talk to you to ballot access in just a, a bit here in the lawsuit uh, that, that's moving forward. Uh, the uh, two, I want to say two percent. To get on the ballot, ten percent uh, to have to be to get major party status in Indiana primary. Like I said, there, there's litigation out there that so this could change. Uh, what do you think your chances are of getting the two percent? And more importantly, what do you think your chances are of getting the ten percent in the Secretary of State's race? So yeah, you know, two percent. We've held two percent uh, since 1994 with Steve Dillon as our Secretary of State case. We've held it every four years. Um, we've hovered right around, you know, a little over three to I think the, the most we ever got in a SOS race was I think 5.5, I think was the highest. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's that's it's actually a pretty hard bar to hit when you don't have the financial resources or the deep network of volunteers that the other two parties have. It's it's really people think it's such a small number, but it's really hard. I mean, our state party budget is less than a hundred thousand compared to the millions that the Republican and Democrat parties are bringing in. So we're we're, you know, a lot smaller, and to to make those gains is is pretty significant. And the fact that we're one of only you know I think we're one of only five states that's been able to do it um, to this level. So, you know, ten percent. I I feel 
I feel very strongly that that we're going to, of course, go over the two percent. I believe that Jeff is going to get somewhere in the neighborhood of ten to fifteen percent or better. We just don't know. There's a lot of factors. Jeff could do even better than that. He, you know, uh, knock on wood, he could win. You know, uh, but uh, I also think that you know, rainwater came in second place in thirty three counties in twenty twenty, and I think Jeff is going to come in second place in a few counties as well. So you're going to have libertarians on local county election boards. And that, that was going to ask you, Bob, but Jeff Moore coming in second place, and in the, in the, in the, let's say he does, just say he does as well as uh, rainwater did. Yeah. Uh, 30-something out, 30-something out counties that rainwater came in second. How does that change the electoral dynamics here in the state of Indiana? Oh, it changes it completely. So, you know, with, with 33 counties, you know, uh, libertarians get an automatic seat. So the top two parties within the county in the secretary of state race, they get to appoint people to the election board. So that county election board gets to determine all kinds of things like vote centers, uh, hours of operation. Um, they, they, you, they pick the uh, election equipment, the balloting system, the e-poll books. Um, they review signatures for uh, independent candidates and candidates running in the primary. So it, it, it's a huge deal because now you have a group that's been talking about election integrity since the 1970s now having a seat on a local election board. It, it'll change the dynamic completely. Our guest on the program today is Evan McMahon. Evan is the chairman of the Libertarian Party of Indiana. Uh, as we get closer to election day, so we're bringing all the political folks in of the studio, uh, bringing in as many political folks uh, as we possibly can uh, to have the debate, to have the discussion. Uh, when you look at uh, Jeff Moore's uh, uh, sort of campaign, does he take votes away from Diego Morales or is he taking votes away from Destiny Wells or or do you even subscribe to the theory that libertarians take, quote unquote, take votes away from anyone? I don't believe we take votes away from anyone because no party owns your vote. You are a free person and it is your right and responsibility to vote your conscience, uh, regardless of party label. Um, so I, I don't think we take votes from anybody. I think we earn votes, um, especially when other parties run bad candidates. Uh, it makes it easier for us to earn the votes of those people. Um, you know, so that's, I don't consider it stealing or taking or, you know, anything like that, somebody else's votes, because they weren't yours to begin with. Uh, we earned it, you know. We didn't happen on these by accident. We didn't, you know, stumble on the street and find a bag full of votes. Our candidates went out and talked to people, and they did a better job, so... Sorry. <laughs> no, no problem. No problem, my friend. Uh, question for you. Uh, when you look at uh, Jeff Morris, uh, one of his uh, things that the secretary said would be like an audit mm -hmm. of, of election counties. 92 counties in Indiana. Yeah. Obviously, some are very small. Some like Marion, Hamilton County, very big. Can you realistically audit every county in the state of Indiana after every election? I, I think it's possible. Um, I think that it, it definitely requires support and resources for the county clerks who, who do a yeoman's job of running elections and they're understaffed and underpaid. They have complicated systems with no guidance from the Secretary of State's office, not just for elections, but for, you know, all around. Every single county has a different um, software system that they use for everything from the docket for the courts to uh, building plans that are submitted. Every single thing is a different system county to county. And so if that can be streamlined a little bit more, um, I think that will uh, ease a lot of that burden. Um, but there's a lot of things that we do. We have we have more than 92 schools in the state, but we, you know, review test scores from the state, you know, once to twice a year. There's there's lots of things that we audit. Um, 
I think that it's important, if anything, for preventative maintenance, you know, preventative care. Uh, so this audit starts before the election process to make sure that all of the processes are recorded, documented, and being followed through. And then it's, uh, you know, it's following up after that to make sure that all of those processes were in place and that the numbers are accurate. Um, so you don't, you don't get a mammogram after you've been diagnosed with breast cancer. You get it beforehand regularly so that you can catch something before it happens or gets out of control. And that's what we're talking about with auditing the elections. It's not just auditing the votes. It's auditing nuts to bolts the entire process, both before and after an election. Evan McMahon, the chairman of the Libertarian Party of Indiana, with us on the program for a few more minutes as we get closer to uh, Election Day. Uh, Evan, obviously, uh, Secretary of State, uh, U.S. Senator are the big races. Any other races here in Indiana uh, the Libertarians are focusing on? Oh, yeah. You know, if you go up to uh, Kosciuszko County, we've got a whole slate of candidates running for local races there uh, in uh, Wabash Township, uh, and which is just amazing. You know, Cassie Rolon, who is the county chair up there, she's, she's been doing an amazing job of, of organizing them. Uh, down in Lawrence County, um, you have Darren Kenzer, who's running for sheriff and, and lots of people running for town board seats down there. They actually have more local candidates on the ballot in Lawrence County than there are Democrats on the ballot. So it's it's pretty exciting. Uh, and both of those counties are brand new county parties. They're, they're about a year old. Um, so that's, that's also exciting, or a little over a year old. Uh, Jada Burton down in Evansville running for the state house. Um, she's in a... Um, just a two-way race, and she's going door-to-door talking to everybody. She's very energetic and excited and, and has a great message that are that is resonating with the voters in her district. So, you know, we have we have tons of, of, of great candidates running on, on the local level. Um, uh, Tommy Brown in Washington uh, County running for a local uh, council seat. He's been going out door-knocking. It's, it's very active this year. Our candidates are all out doing a great job. I just uh, was talking uh, to uh, Jaime Ortiz uh, in Tippecanoe County, who has knocked on 7,000 doors in his district. That is a huge undertaking. Uh, But he started early and he does it every single day and he keeps going. So, you know, I'm seeing a lot of progress and a lot of effort and I think it's going to pay off. I think we're going to we're going to increase our uh, our numbers here and get some more elected libertarians. Uh, let's talk about the litigation uh, that came out this week. Uh, yeah. The federal judge basically denying the state's motion to dismiss a lawsuit that you and the Green Party had filed uh, for with respect to uh, ballot access. Uh, where does that go from here now? Now that the, now the state's motion to dismiss has been denying. Well, you know, I I would say that he didn't. The judge didn't just deny it. He actually said that the precedent that was set 30 years ago and what was called the Hall decision needs to be revisited because a lot of things have changed in the last 30 years. Uh, So it was, I mean, it was very, the the order from the judge said, hey, listen, we need to review this completely and thoroughly from a fact-based standpoint, which has not happened in the courts in over 30 years. Um, So that's, I... I almost cried, you know, I'm, I'm willing to admit that, you know, on the radio, it was such um, an amazing order from the judge basically saying not only should this case move forward, but it must move forward. There was, it was just it, it when you fight for this every day, uh, getting getting a victory like that is amazing. So essentially, you know, libertarians, we have ballot access. We've got our two percent. Uh, we're safe. We're comfortable. But we believe when we talk about having options on the ballot, 
we believe that other parties, the Constitution Party, the Reform Party, um, you know, the Communist Party, you know, everybody should be able to have their candidate on the ballot, that you as a voter have the right to have that choice if you want them on the ballot. And the process to get on the ballot is so ridiculously hard that it took us, uh, I think it was 12 years of trying and, and it was a huge effort in 1994. It was basically two different campaigns, one campaign to get on the ballot and one campaign just to try to get 2% in the Secretary of State's race. And we did. But it, it took, uh, we had people coming in from libertarian parties in other states to help out back in 94. It was very, very difficult. We're the only ones that have been able to do it. Uh, there hasn't been a third party to get that 10% threshold and be in the primary system, like I said, since 1910. Uh, and it was a splinter group of, a, of the Republican Party. Um, and so, you know, and, and they changed the law <laughs> to make it more difficult for that party to be able to retain ballot access. Um, so it's it's very, very difficult. Uh, and we believe that it should be easier. Uh, we believe that there are, you know, mechanisms in place that make it very difficult to gather those signatures, to get those votes. You know, you have the straight ticket voting, you have tons of resources, the the election laws are actually written for, it, it literally says Republican and Democrat Party, and then there are separate rules for everybody else. So, so here's my question. How do you do this in a way that uh, gives voters the choices that they want, but our ballots don't start looking like Italian phone books or CVS receipts? You know, that's, that's always the argument that comes up, um, that, you know, oh, the ballots are going to become confused. I, I encourage you to look at the, the legislature or the... the uh, the elections in both New York and California, uh, there are at one point in time, there were what, like 37 people running for governor uh, and uh, during the last special election or when they were trying to recall Gavin Newsom, there were 37 people. And that was if the governor got recalled, here are 37 people for you to choose from who you would like to be governor. Um, this notion of ballot confusion uh, or, or ballot crowding seems kind of ridiculous to me. Uh, you have 32 different streaming platforms, all with hundreds of different channels and movies and programs, but yet people can make a decision on what to watch, typically within five minutes. Elections are important. Um, free speech is important. Making sure that our elected officials are being held accountable is important. And the way we do that is by having more voices and more options on the ballot. So, so I guess my question is, though, should there be any sort of, you know, sort of floor to get on to for a political party to, to get on the ballot? Um, you know, I'll probably make our lawyer angry by saying this, but sure, there's probably should be something, um, but it should be, shouldn't be such a bar that no one has been able to do it in over a hundred years or that only one political party, uh, has been able to, to achieve the lowest standard in the last hundred years. Uh, so, you know, maybe there should be a barrier to entry, so to speak, but it shouldn't be so unattainable that nobody can do it. I joke say it's like it's like a it's like a, a application fee in college. It's really not the school needs the money. It's more just for crowd control. Right. Yep. Uh, Evan McMahon with us, the chairman of the Libertarian Party of Indiana, for a few more minutes on the program today. Uh, Evan, uh, if libertarians get ten uh, percent, you and I have had this conversation uh, over the years that we've known each other. Are libertarians ready 
for major party status? Ooh, it is it is the thing that keeps me up at <laughs> night. Um, you know, uh, I've been thinking about this for the last year, and I've been doing the research. We've been putting all the processes in place to make sure that we have guidebooks for precinct committee uh, committee men, uh, new updated forms for our county chairs. Uh, we're actually going to be ready. Uh, you know, when Jeff breaks this record. On November 8th, November 19th, we start rolling out this new documentation and putting these processes in place. So we're ready, uh, at least from the state party standpoint. I think it'll take uh, six months for our members and our local local leaders to be able to fully grasp it and know how, you know, the laws have changed for us. Because we essentially we're going to go from a political party that has virtually no state uh, regulation and how we govern our affairs as a party. We they tell us when we can or not even when, but you know what forms we use to nominate our candidates and what the deadlines for filing those forms are. But as a you know what I like to call a major minor party, every aspect of your party is now regulated from who can be precinct committeemen, when your con- state conventions can happen, like all of these processes are now regulated under state law. And so it's going to take a little bit of a learning curve. But the other issue is once we hit that, we have to start filling every slate. You know, every county has to have a full slate of candidates running in the primary. Um, and so that's the other thing. And we're already focused on on that, what our 2023 recruitment efforts are going to be. We've already started recruiting those candidates for the municipal races. So now I think we're you, ready. Now, if you do get uh, major party status, does that mean you have to have a primary or can you still do the, the nominating conventions? So it's kind of... Uh, there's a, there's a, two different clauses in, in the election uh, law. One says um, shall and one says may. And it's, it's a question of which one takes precedent. Um, and so we're, we're questioning that right now, but we're, we're gearing up for the, for the uh, shall uh, aspect of it, that we're, that we're going to have to do it and we don't have a choice, but we believe there should be a choice. So got any predictions for Tuesday? Uh, I got quite a few, but I'm going to hold those back, buddy. <laughs> hey, you're just like me. If I can predict what's going to happen, I mean, we have this conversation on my tropical island in the South Pacific that I just bought. 100%. 100%. All right. Our guest in the program today has been our good friend, Evan McMahon. Evan is the chairman of the Libertarian Party for Indiana. Evan, my friend, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you very much for being with us, my Thank friend. Thank you, Abdul. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.